Good morning, family. I'm going to call you my family, all right, because you are. And maybe we've never met. Maybe we haven't known each other very long. But you know what? You know, we're God's kids. You know, in the kingdom of God, there's Jesus and the rest of us. There's no big eyes and little U's. There's just him and us. And we just get to do this life together. We get to encourage one another together. And I just appreciate the opportunity for Pastor Kenny and Nija to give me the opportunity to share the word with you this morning. And I hope it'll be a blessing to your life. But before I jump into my message today, I want to I wanna comment on this whole pastor appreciation thing, okay? You know, this is the month of October. And during the month of October, we have an opportunity to appreciate our pastors. And I want to say this, appreciating your pastors is not saying that you all should be appreciated. Everybody should be appreciated in the kingdom of God. And I know you have pastors who get up before you every single Sunday morning and every opportunity they have, whether it's in a prayer service or Bible study or a women's gathering, men's gathering, whatever, and they try to appreciate you. But this month, is the month, at least here in this country, where we get to take the opportunity to recognize that God has set a special couple in our midst to help us, to shepherd us, to lead us, and to guide us, to help us find our place in the kingdom of God. And I don't, I don't think that should be taken lightly. You know, God said through the prophet Jeremiah that he would put shepherds in our lives after his own heart. And I know that we have that here. And I stand before you having just finished a, a journey of pastoring for over 40 years. And I, I've learned that it's not always easy to get people to buy into the vision that God's given you. You know, you, you have this responsibility to, to share the vision that God has given you. Know, and you, So you stand up before people every week and you, you share your heart. You, to the best of your ability, you throw out what you believe God is doing in the cathedral, in the direction that he wants us to go. I, I, I love this vision, love, lead, and teach. You know, it's just, it's just so cool. But, you know, you, you get up in front of people every week and, and you throw it out. And sometimes it's a little bit difficult for maybe people that are new to the church, you know, or maybe even ones who have been around a little while to buy into it because maybe they haven't heard that directly from God themselves as your pastor are. So, again, standing up here week after week and being judged by the music, how good the worship was. Cole, you have a big responsibility and, you know, people judge that every week and make decisions about whether they're going to attend church by it, you know, and being judged by how you look, you know, and the content of your message, your delivery, you know, it's not a, it's not an easy thing to do, you know, and if it wasn't for the grace of God, we wouldn't be able to do that. So with that being said, I just hope you throw your pastor's you know, a kind word, a hug, a note, or something towards Pastors Kenny and Nija, and uh, really let them know how much you appreciate the hard work that they're doing. You guys have been laboring, and we are grateful for that. All right. So I want to get into the message today. So I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles, your devices, smart devices to Matthew 21, and we'll eventually get there. But um, I'll watch my time here. So my, my wife, Ann, and I have eight children. You know, we uh, raised eight children. They're all raised. They're all out of the home. And we changed the locks, you know. You know, I know sometimes people have a hard time, you know, you know understanding you know, really? You changed locks? No, I was just kidding. But, you know, we wanted to, you know. But when you get to the end of eight of them, 
you know? And when you raise eight children, you know, with them come a lot of experiences and a lot of issues and you go through a lot of things. And I'm not, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You don't have to have eight children to know that. You could have one to understand that. But my oldest son, I want to tell you a little story about him this morning, kind of getting into this. You know, he's 40 three or four years old right now, you know. Um, But anyway, he was really this little laid back, fun loving kid. You know, you could, you could put him in the corner and give him a couple toys and he'd sit there and play for hours. You know, he was just, he he was just so laid back. In fact, we didn't even start him in school till later, till he turned six because he was so laid back socially, you know, that he wouldn't have done well. But he was a really fun loving kid. And I used to take him camping all the time. I used to camp in tents. I don't do that anymore. But, you know, back when I was younger, we would go camping all the time, you know, and at night we'd build a campfire, you know, and I'd pull out the lawn chairs, you know, and we'd sit around the lawn chair. My dad was usually with us and a few of the other grandkids were with us. But I remember one night especially because we were sitting by, I was sitting by the campfire. And I don't know, maybe he was three or four years old and he crawled up in my lap and he looked up at me and he said, Dad, Daddy probably, I don't remember, but he said, I don't like God. And man, you know, when he said that to me, I tried not to overreact. And I just, I looked down at him and I remember he had a little cowboy hat on, you know, he's sitting in my lap. We're just watching the campfire. And he said, Daddy, I don't like God. And I looked down at him and I said, why? Why not? He told me, he says, because whenever I talk to him, he never talks back. Whenever I ask him a question, he never answers me. You know, and here's this out of the mouth of babes, you know. If, and if the truth be, would be told, you know, we probably all felt like that at one time or another, that God never talks back. How many times have we ever prayed nothing? How many times have we ever found ourselves in a need and we reached out to God and nothing, you know, seemingly nothing, you know. And so I tried to, you know, theologically explain to this little boy, you know, that God doesn't talk to us the way that we talk to each other, you know. But I I mean, you know, it it was just such a, a powerful statement and it really made me think about how a lot of us, and I thought if I was honest with myself, I felt the same way he did a lot of times. You know, God, where are you at? You know, I'm dying down here. You know, God, where are you? God, we're going through this. Where are you at? God, here's one I prayed all the time. God, I thought I did what you told me to do. And man, people are leaving in droves. You know, it's just what, what's going on here, you know? And we've all felt like that at one time or another. So today I've been tasked by your pastor to talk to you about prayer, to get into the why of prayer. And this is so good. Why is prayer so important? We need to, we need to ask why questions more often. We get into the how-tos a lot, but we don't, we don't really, you know, understand a lot of times why is prayer so important. So I've entitled my message today, to pray or not to pray. To pray or not to pray. I've subtitled this message, Our Highest Call. To pray is the highest call on your life. So what is prayer? What is the purpose of prayer? But the big question today is, you know, why is it so important? Why all the emphasis? You can't, you can't be in the kingdom of God a day. You can't have received Christ into your life and not all hear about prayer. In fact, you probably heard about prayer before you ever even made Jesus the Lord of your life. So why is there so much emphasis on prayer? Some people act as if my whole spiritual life is dependent on prayer. 
And I will say it is, but because there's so much mystery around it, you know, a lot of people just don't do it. Some of you probably sitting within the sound of my voice today have probably given up on prayer. You don't pray all that much anymore because maybe you've been around, you know, so long and you've gotten so frustrated and you've become so discouraged that you don't really even believe, even though you want to, that God is even listening to you anymore or, you know, uh, cares about what you're going through. Like my son, many feel it seems to be so one-sided and finally, so many times what we pray seemingly goes unresponded to and all this aside though suffice it to say that prayer is not an option in a believer's life but why you know what prayer is important to you as an individual believer as a child of God young and old and everything in between prayer is not an option for you it is an important part of your life but have you ever asked the question why why is it so important? Why is there so much emphasis on it? Sometimes all we do is think about whether we got an answer or not, whether we got healed or not, or whether this financial miracle came through or not, or this situation was resolved. And so what I want to do today is just take a little bit of time, and I want to get some inspiration about prayer. You know, I, I need some inspiration this morning. So I want to get some inspiration concerning our prayer lives. Inspiration that leads all of us to praying more. And I think when we begin to understand the why, why it's important to our individual lives, then I think we will pray more than we do. I don't really like to pray, you know. It's not, I'm more into obedience. I would rather just get a word from God and just get about doing it and, you know, spend four or five hours about, I, that's, just, that's just not me. At least that's the excuse that I've used. I'm into obedience. I just want to do what God's called me to do and I'll, I'll be that faithful son. But I, you know, I'm not a big prayer. You know, I've had people around me all my life that, you know, are big prayers and I've always marveled at them, you know, how they could lay on their face before God for hours and just intercede. But that's, that, but, but that's not who, who I am, you know. Prayer is always been a little bit difficult for me. So that's why I say, let's get some inspiration today. You know, let's, let's encourage one another. But I want to say this before I go on. I want to say right here that prayer is not linked to God loving you. It has nothing to do. Some people have the idea because I don't pray very much, then God may not love me very much. It's not linked to God loving you. I don't care if you never prayed a prayer in your life. It would have, God would have still sent Jesus to die for you. Praying does not make you more acceptable. That's not why you pray. Praying does not make you more acceptable to God. And sometimes the only time people pray is asking God to forgive them for their sins. Like they, you know, are not going to be accepted by God unless they do that. You know, and that's the sum total of their prayers. But you need to understand that prayer is not something that is linked to God loving you and accepting you. But there is a purpose behind it. And so let's understand what the purpose of prayer is. So let's look to the Word of God for some understanding. And I, I mentioned this to you a little bit earlier, and I want to I want to reemphasize this just for a minute. It, it's a calling. The call to pray supersedes anything else God has asked you to do. I'm a pastor. I'm called to pastor. Well, I. 
Yeah, you know, it's a calling on my life, whether, you know, I'm in it full-time right now or doing it the way that I'm doing. I'm called to pastor. Before the foundations of the world, that was the calling that God put on my life. But that's not the highest call on my life. The call that supersedes that calling is the call to pray. And when we begin to understand the why of prayer, then I think we'll begin to understand that. So I like to say that it's the highest call on your life. Young and old, wherever you are at in your life, it is the highest call on your life. And we'll talk about that more a little bit later. John Wesley, whether you've ever heard of him or not, you know, he's an old guy that, you know, had a big impact in the body of Christ. Let me say that, said this, and I quote, it seems that God is limited by our prayer life. Okay, God limited? Hmm. It seems that God is limited by our prayer life. He can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him to do it. Now, if you think about that, if that's true, you're going to begin to understand why prayer is so important. He said he can do nothing, not most things, nothing for humanity unless someone asks him to do it. Man, that's a powerful statement, but if there's some truth in that statement, and I believe there is, and I think you'll begin to see that as we go through this particular message this morning, then wow, we, we, need to, we need to really understand this highest call on our life, which is to pray. So just think about that. In Ezekiel, God said this. Through the prophet Ezekiel, he said, I sought for a man among that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. So he's looking for somebody, a man, a one person, to be able to stand in the gap. And pray and open the door for him to do something other than what what judgment was requiring that he do. And he said he found no one. Not one person. The flip side of that is if he would have found one person that would have opened the door for him not to destroy the land, he wouldn't have done that. He said, therefore, because I couldn't find anybody, not one person praying, therefore I have poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. If he could have just found one person to stand in the gap, one person to intercede, to pray for the land, the scripture said it would have been spared. Now you go back to John Wesley's quote, where he said it seems like God can't do anything for humanity unless someone asks him to do it. And then Ezekiel, what God said through the prophet Ezekiel, I was looking for just one person to stand in the gap and pray and open the door that I wouldn't have to do what judgment required to be done and he could find no one. But if he could have found someone, who hadn't given up on prayer, who didn't believe that God didn't hear prayers, then maybe the land would have been spared. I think it would have. So here's the big question. Can my failure to pray really hinder God from working in my life? I want you to think about that. Brothers and sisters, think about that. Could could my, my lack of prayer My lack of confidence in prayer, my lack of praying hinder God from working in my life or in the lives of the people that I care about. Let me just say yes. I'm going to say yes. A big yes. And then let's explore that a little bit. If that's true and we're saying it is, then you can understand why the call to prayer, pray, is the highest call on your life. 
If it hinders God from working in your life, you can understand why it's the highest call in your life. If you're trying to do something for God, if you're trying to fulfill your call, if you've been graced to do something, yet you're not praying, then you are hindering God from assisting you and helping you realize what you've been called to do. So now you can understand why it's the highest call. It's a higher call than maybe what you think you're called to do because you'll never realize your calling. You'll never pastor. You'll never teach. You'll never love. You'll never do what God's called you to do unless you add prayer to it. Prayer is the most important call on your life. Now, I know you're in Matthew 21, but I want you to, I want you to go to Matthew 9 with me. Hold your place there at Matthew uh, chapter 21. But I want to go to Matthew chapter 6, I'm sorry, and look at verse 9. But let me say this first. For God to bring his will to pass in the earth, there must be prayer first. For God to bring his will to pass. What did he tell Ezekiel? I looked for a man. My will is not to destroy the land. But judgment requires that I destroy the land. But if I can find one person to pray and open the door for my will to be done, I will not destroy the land. But I could find no one, so I poured out my wrath and my indignation on the earth. So, listen to that statement again. For God to bring his will to pass in the earth. For God to bring his will to pass in people in your life. In the people that you care about, there must be prayer first. Before his will can be done in my life, my family's life, my church, there must be an open door of access. And that access is only gained through prayer. Through you opening the door for God to work in your life through prayer. Listen to this uh, statement. Pastor Kenny referred to it last week, and, and really it's not my statement. We had a wonderful lady in our church for all four, 30 years, almost 40 years of our ministry who made this statement, and she said, no amount of work will ever exceed the amount of prayer that goes into it. You know, some of you are hard-working people. Some of you, you know, have given your life to do uh, the, the will of God for your life. But I don't care what you do. I don't care how obedient you are. No amount of work will ever exceed the amount of prayer that goes into it. Why? Because prayer is the highest call. Prayer is what opens the door for God to come alongside of you and assist you to do whatever it is that he's asked you to do. So the only way that you can ever be successful is to dig into this thing called prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Jesus in teaching and how to pray, he said, After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come. We pray, God, your kingdom come. We open the door through prayer. We pray, thy kingdom come. We say to God, we want your kingdom to come. Your will to be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now, you know, you can a little later on get into the munitia of all your needs. Give us this day our daily bread, you know, and lead us not. I know, you know, you all got some needs. We all got needs in our lives. But before you get into the, the, the stuff that you need in your life, you need to make sure that you open the door for the kingdom of God, the will of God to be done in your life, in your family's life, in your friend's life, in your church's life, in your community's life, in your country. When you pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done, you are opening up a door for God. You are becoming that one person for God to use to come into your life, your family's life, your friends, your children, your church, your community, and do what he wants to do. 
We quote this all the time. Oh, man, you know, people just quote this prayer to quote this prayer. But some people really quote it to pray it, you know. But when we pray or when we declare that God's will be done in earth, I'm earth, you're earth. I, I come out of the dust of the ground. When I pray or declare God's will to be done in earth as it is in heaven, his plan, his will for my life, we make it possible for God to move. We make it possible for God to do it. Sometimes I think we get stuck. Sometimes I think we fall off the track. Sometimes I, I think we get stopped from doing the will of God because we, keep forget, we forget to open the door to God. God, your will be done. It's not something we pray every day. Once, it's not something we pray once. It's something we pray every day. God, I want your will to be done in my life today, my family's life. I want your will to be done in my church, Lord. And when you do that, you're that person standing in the gap, giving God an open door to do his things. You know, like I said, before we get into the specifics of the things that we need God to do in our lives, we have to pray this prayer. We have to pray the big prayer. This prayer opens the door for God to bring his will to pass. I want you to think about that. You know, I'm reminded of the scripture in Revelations chapter 3 verse 20. And I want you to know that Jesus was not talking to sinners when he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. One translation says, I'll sit down at the table and be friends and we'll be friends together. But anyway, I want you to know that when he said what he said in Revelations chapter 3, he wasn't talking to sinners. He was talking to the church. Behold, I stand at the door of your heart, sons and daughters of God. And if any man hears me knock, hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. New Living Translation. See, prayer is opening that door. How do you open the door when you knock? When you hear the knock, how do you open the door? You pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. You say yes to Jesus. I open the door of my heart, Lord. I want your will to be done. I know I've screwed up. I've messed up. I've ignored you. I haven't paid attention to you. I've gotten frustrated. I've gotten confused. I've gotten mad at you. I don't even know if I like you anymore. But God, I open the door today, Jesus. And I pray that your will will be done. That your kingdom would be established in my heart in the kingdom of God is not meat nor drink but righteousness joy and peace in the Holy Ghost so when you pray God your will your kingdom come you're saying God your peace come your righteousness come your joy come into my heart and my life and when you pray that way it opens the door for God to live big in your life so okay wh why pray the why is it opens the door for God to work. Now you can't open the door and say, all right, God, I want you to do this and I want you to do that. Man, you just got to be satisfied that you are opening the door to God. And then we get into this thing, the trust and the confidence and putting our faith in Jesus and not in our husbands, not in our wives, not in our families, not in our pastors. But we put, you open that door up and you let Jesus come in, sit down at the table of your life and be friends with you. I like that. <laughs> so, wow, prayer opens the door. You know what? I prayed to get over this sickness, and I didn't get over it. It just ran its course. I prayed for this financial miracle, and it didn't happen, at least the way that I thought it was going to happen. I prayed for this person, and they died. I prayed for this person, and, you know, they didn't live their life for God. You know, and, and I'm not saying those things aren't important. 
But I've learned that, man, when I pray that God's kingdom would come, when God's will would be done in my life, I'm opening up for a door for God to work in my life. So just because every little, you know, minute thing doesn't work out for me the way that I thought it ought to be worked out, I have the satisfaction of knowing that I've opened the door for God's will to be done in my life, for his kingdom to be established in my life. I'm not going to stop praying, not because he doesn't give me $100 or not because he doesn't heal me of this or heal me of that. I'm not going to stop praying because I've learned over a course of time that, man, when I open the door to God, eventually, at some point in time, I'm going to come out on the other side ahead of the game. I love that. So prayer is opening the door. So now let's look at Matthew 21 really quick. We're just about out of time here, but let's look at Matthew 21, verses 12. It says, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer. I want you to notice that. But you've turned it into a den of thieves. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it puts this in the middle of it. It says the blind, when he got done throwing out the temple changers and the, the turning over the tables, then all of it says, and it says, the blind and the lame came into the temple and he healed them. Then the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the children of the temple shouting, praise God for the son of David. Miracles are happening. Children are starting to praise God, but the leaders got ticked off. They asked Jesus, do you hear these children, what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied, haven't you ever read the scriptures? For they say you have taught children and infants to give you praise. So within these few verses that I just read here, there's a tremendous revelation, and I want you to see this, for the person who desires to make prayer a part of your life. If you have a desire to make prayer a part of your life, which I know you do, then the inside of these scriptures is a revelation of the process that prayer will become a part of your life. So in verse 12 again, it says, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. So here begins the process, the progression towards a vibrant prayer life. Are you ready? The first thing that has to happen, step one, is there has to be a purification of the temple. You have to kick out all the, the, the junk in your life, all the things in your life that are trying to, you know, destroy you. And I like to say it this way, you know, Jesus purified the temple and, and uh, you know, we are the temple. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, you realize, don't you, that you are the temple of God and God himself is present in you. No one will get by with vandalizing God's temple. You can be sure of that. God's temple is sacred. And remember, you are the temple. So there has to be a purification process of the temple. And that happens when you make Jesus the Lord of your life. If you're living outside of a relationship with God, you don't have to. You don't have to do anything to earn it. All you've got to do is accept what Jesus did for you. And when you pray and ask Jesus to come into your heart and become a part of your life, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul taught us that you become a new creature. That old things are passed away and behold, everything becomes new. It's that purification process. And what else happens to you in the new birth? When you open your heart to God, the Holy Spirit moves onto the inside of you. So the first step to an effective prayer life is give your life to Jesus. 
If you really want to have an open door of access to God, then give your life to Jesus. Don't live outside of a personal, intimate, eternal relationship with Jesus. Secondly, Jesus came into your heart and declared you to be called a house of prayer. And he said unto them, it is written, my house, now that you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you are his house. God lives in me. I love that. I am the temple of the living God. And Jesus said, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. So that makes me a house of prayer. But you've made it a den of thieves. That's why you need to receive Christ into your life. So his declaration, step number two in the process, is that you are a house of prayer. And I pray this morning that the Holy Spirit will help you see this. That that's my, that's my highest call of my life. I don't care what else I've been called to do or what else I've been asked to do. The one thing I need to do is I just need to be constantly opening the door for God to work in my life and my family's life. You know, sometimes, you know, we don't know how to pray for our loved ones. We can pray in tongues, you know, I get all of that, but we don't always know how to pray for people. But the one thing I can always know that I can do with anybody in my life, anybody that I care about, anybody that I want to help is just pray, God, I, I ask you to, I, I give you an open door to work in their hearts and in their lives. I pray your kingdom come, your will be done, not only in my my life but in their lives so here's where the Holy Spirit comes alongside of you and helps you and here's another thing you have to understand as a believer Jesus was always saying when you pray not if you pray you know it wasn't ever an option in Luke 18 it says he spoke a parable to them to this end that men ought always pray and not to faint you know, I, I, sometimes I, I'm bothered by, you know, how the scripture, it always talks about men. God's not misogynistic, you know, and so many times it doesn't just refer to men. It just refuse, refers to humanity, translated men. And I, I, I don't like that. I wish we did a better job in translating that. But we're all supposed to pray and not faint. In Jeremiah 33, 3, God said, call to me and I will answer you. I'll tell you marvelous and wonderful things that you could never figure out on your own. We can't do what he wants us to do on our own. We need his input. That's where people run into problems. They start doing everything out of their own understanding. They start doing everything out of their own strength and they get into trouble. You know, you think you're all that in a bag of chips. Well, you aren't. There's Jesus in the rest of us. And if you really want to do big things for God, if you really want to do what God wants you to do, you better know his will. How many people have just said, nope, I don't like this. I'm out of here. Nope, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm out of here. And you don't even know what the will of God is for your life. Maybe he's got you where he wants you for a purpose and you bailing on him is not going to help you. And if you're not praying, God, I don't want my will to be done. I don't want to make this about me. I don't want to do it just because I want to do it or I don't want to do it. And that's where most people live their lives because they quit praying. They've gotten frustrated and they don't pray, God. I want your will, not my will, God. Here's what I want to do, but that's not what I'm going to do if it's not what you want me to do. We need to spend more time praying like that. And then thirdly, and then I'm done. Thirdly, when, once the temple has been cleansed and it becomes the house of prayer, there's going to be results. I love this. The blind and the lame. You know, we start praying, God, I want your will to be done. I want your kingdom to be established in my, my life, my family's life, my friends, my church. 
then all of a sudden, you know, whew, things are going to begin to happen. When you quit making it about you and you start making it about God and what he wants to do, then all of a sudden there's going to be miracles. And then, you know, so step three in the process, first there's a purification. Then number two, you accept that you're a house of prayer. And then number three, oh my God, the blind and the lame are going to come in and get healed and, and power is going to manifest. And then in step four, children are going to begin to praise God. When people started getting healed in the temple, when all the money changers were cast out and the will of God was released into the earth and the people began to get healed and lives began to get touched and people began to praise God. And you know who got indignant? The religious people. You know, that isn't the way we do things. You know, they shouldn't be doing that. What should they be doing? Out of the mouth of babes, praise is perfected. You know, Jesus went from one place of prayer to another. And in between those times of prayer, miracles happened. You know, maybe we need to quit worrying about, you know, clothes and rent payments and cars and houses. God knows you have need of those things. And maybe if we just stood in the gap and started praying, God, I want your will to be done in my life. I'm so tired of doing what I want to do. I want to do what you want me to do. What do you want me to do? I want, I want your will to be done in my family. God, my family's a mess. Well, start praying every day. God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Nathan's life, Haley's life, Andrew's life, Jack's life, Theo's life, Simone's life. And watch God work. You got a choice. You can worry and fret, take it all on, or you can just say, God, let your kingdom come to their lives. Let righteousness, joy, and peace dominate Jack's life, Andrew's life, Theo's life, Simone's life. It's better than worrying and fretting. Pray for your pastors. They would follow the will of God. They'd bring the will of God to you, that they just wouldn't tell you what you want to hear. They'd tell you what you need to hear. So let God purify you. Understand that he declares that you are a house of prayer. Watch the power of God begin to work. And watch praise begin to happen. This is such a cool place here. You've got, all, all, you've got such a cool thing going on here I, I, I watch all these young people that's just because I'm an old man but you know I watch all these young people you guys doing what you're doing you know stay true to what God wants from you stay true to what God's trying to do here God's called you here you you shared it this morning don't let don't let the the, the, the stuff you know get in your way and confuse you you better know what God wants you to do because he's doing something here He's doing something here. And we just want his will to be done, his kingdom to be established. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads with me just for a minute? Before I jump off here this morning, if you're here this morning, we don't, we don't know who everybody is that came in the doors this morning, but if you're here and you're one of those people who have, maybe you're outside of a relationship with God, you believe in God, but you've never received him. Did you know there's a big difference between believing in him and receiving him? Well, well, how do I receive him? Well, you know, Scripture teaches us that we just pray. 
you know, we just pray, God, open my heart to you. I need you in my life. So I, I, I want you to, right where, you're, right where you're sitting, if you need to receive God into your heart, just, just say this in your heart. Say, Jesus, I open my heart to you. I open my heart to you. I need you. I need you. I want you in my life. I want you in my life. So right now, Jesus, so right now, Jesus I, ask you I ask you to become a part of my heart my life in Jesus name and it's say amen that's a big amen that means so be it in my in my heart and in my life